Hello, welcome to another episode of We Are Curious. My name is Ali Mwakaneno Gakweli, your usual host. And uh, today I have with me Felix, who is our in-house analyst. Felix, say hi to the people. I, I think we just say the usual co-host would actually be better. <laughs> oh, you think you've been here frequent enough to earn such a title? <laughs> I, I, I definitely think so, but Ali calls the shots, you know. Mm. Well, just just for this show, you know, Felix runs Felix runs a bold spares and whiskey, which is live, by the way. Uh, they have they had quite an interesting discussion on you know the developments around uh, Didi and the Chinese regulation. You know what's happening with the Kenyan shilling and uh, you know the loud silence in crypto markets. You should definitely check that out um, on our Hisa platform. It's live already. Um, Felix, just to start out the the discussion, what what are you curious about this week? Oh, man. A lot of stuff, you know. First of all, curious about markets, curious about um, the global trends in tech, um, mm-hmm. curious about the business aspect in Africa, uh, curious about Kenyan statistics as well. And I'm also curious generally about when are we having Hisa, uh, trading on Hisa, you know. Yeah, but then you see you're, you're, you're with Bossman, uh, you're with, <laughs> <laughs> you're with uh, the Hisa CEO, Eric Asuma, and... Uh, one of the things that came out in the conversation was uh, um, we should, we should expect trading very we should expect trading very soon and we're going to have better testing launching in the next year for the first yes. for the 500 users yes. isn't it exactly. and guys if in case you're you're still wondering what hisa is well uh hisa is literally the coolest trading um trading and information platform by the Kenyan Wall Street so uh we already our beta version is already live and you're welcome to access you know a host of news from the Kenyan Wall Street and trading room amongst other leading news websites in the country as well as cool cool um podcasts from the Kenyan Wall Street hey it's not just another portal we know that you can access the news directly through the website but then what hisa offers is you know a community so a group of investors that you can engage with ask questions and get your answers i know they're not you know retail investing is is it's let's just say that it's mysterious and it's always um welcome when you have a community around you that you can ask questions and compare notes and hisa offers just that and then you know what we're launching hisa 2, 2.0 and hisa 2.0 will offer trading and hey, when we say trading, we're not just talking about um, the local stocks in the Nairobi Stock Exchange, you know. We are talking about, um, you know, stocks listed in Kenya and uh, abroad. And you'll be able to trade in stocks like, you know, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Tesla. And those are just some of the good things that I can discuss in public. You know, you, there, there are some things that I can't share unless they're live. So definitely, in case you don't have the Hisa app, when, download when, it. When you say abroad, you know, if, if you're in Kenya, then Uganda is abroad. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> n- n- nice correction. When I say abroad here, I, I, I don't mean just Uganda. Um, I am talking about uh, markets in the Northern Hemisphere. I think that's Northern Hemisphere of the globe. So we're talking about US markets. We're talking about the Teslas. We're talking about the Apples. We're talking about what um, Coinbase, we're talking about these companies that you would um, want to invest in that you still can't in, in, in Kenya. You know what? Such, such things. Talking about DD. We're talking about GameStop. Yeah. GameStop. GameStop. Imagine, imagine you've been, you've been reading about GameStop all yeah. these days. Yeah. You'd be finally able to participate in what you're into and act on, you know, the information that you obtain from um, this and other websites. En- enough of the marketing, Felix. Yeah. Felix, um, you, 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 we already discussed um, taxes this weekend. You know, let me tell you a funny story here. Yeah? <coughs> Last week, um, my gas and my cooking all decided to finish at the same time. So I got to experience the full blow of, you know, the current taxes. Because, you know what? Just moving away from that. This week, there's, there's something that we would really, really like to, you know, delve into the discussion today. And that thing is uh, the cost of starting a business in Africa. I know this is not our usual, our usual take. So usually, in case you've been in this discussion for long enough, you know that we usually start with local markets and then we proceed to regional and then we proceed to, you know, global. But then 
really, um, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're more a markets guy, I would definitely recommend um, rec recommend uh, week the weekly um, markets updates, uh, Markets Monday, hosted by Felix. That's when you get you really get to discuss the nitty gritties of what happened in markets. You get to discuss the numbers. You get to discuss the corporate actions. And but today we we want to start with uh, regional today. It's a little bit of a surprise, I know, but. Um, Regionally, I think two days ago, we had a report that was detailing the different costs of uh, starting a business, you know, across the world. And I'd like, I just want to get to it and uh, read you the, 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 the different numbers. Spoiler alert, of course, Rwanda shines in Africa as usual, but then that's not something that you're really surprised now, are you? Um, let me... It's the, the report was curated by, by, by Baobab and just looking at the map, um, the map right here in front of me, uh, what came out was the cost of doing, the cost of starting a business in, in Kenya. It's around uh, 352.93 US dollars. Uh, just comparing with the different neighbors, Somalia is around $900, $900, Felix. Um, Uganda is around 162. Ethiopia is 152.78. Burundi is shocking enough. It's $30.37. Um, Tanzania is $322.46, which is slightly below Kenya. And I think um, the, the lowest cost in Africa was, of course, Rwanda, because um, it's it's actually... It's actually um, free to start small and medium enterprises in Rwanda for the first two years. So, um, businesses in Rwanda are ex small businesses in Rwanda are exempted from from uh, fees for the first two years. And uh, well, apart from Rwanda, another country that had quite a low fee was South Africa at twelve point six six dollars. I think countries in Africa that had below well, below $100 were it, we had Tunisia at 92 and then we had uh, Mauritania at $13.8 and then we had Sudan shocking enough $8.49 Egypt 12.73 imagine if you're in Egypt you could uh, the cost of you know starting Starting a business, your registration and everything could own you could be twelve point seven three dollars. Let me give you a context. Depending on where you live in Nairobi, that is slightly less than the cost of refilling your thirteen your six kg gas. Yes. Well, Ali, um, very important stats that we're getting, but looking at it from uh, an entire range of the sub-Saharan continent, you know, mm -hmm. we are seeing that. Um, First of all, as much as Rwanda is free, we know that's for the first two years. You know, if we want to to, to really create a viable um, economy, then one of the things that we have to look at is the tax environment. Right. And for our country, we know that that's slightly very hostile, mostly for startups. You know, you need to give guys incentives, mostly if you want the youth that don't have any capital yet. We think that um, apart from Rwanda, which is offering um, a free access to you investing, the only other country that has that incentive is um, Bolivia, right. if, if, if I'm correct. And with that, you need to put an investment. The capital has to be at a minimum of um, 750 euros. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's Slovakia, not Bolivia. Slovakia, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's giving guys, because I think Bolivia is also very expensive to start a business. One of the things that I'm personally wondering is why um, Equatorial Guinea has a high rate of starting business. It's one of the highest globally. It's even high. It's it's way expensive for you to start um, a business in 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 um, in Equatorial Guinea than for you to start in, than for you to start a business in Chile, in Bolivia, in um, or I don't know. There's a country that's called Suriname or something in Ecuador, in Mexico. It's also very expensive for you to start um, a business even in Denmark, in Iceland. So I think it's, it's a challenge that you'd rather go to, to, to Norway, for example, to start a business than to have that up in, in Equatorial Guinea. Uh, maybe my main concern really would be what level of return are investors getting um, from this investment that they do in, 
in various um, in the various sectors that they invest in in equatorial Guinea. Because uh, as we're looking uh, with the data that we have, uh, probably it's it's only in the UAE uh, that you need about seven thousand four hundred and forty three dollars to start a business. After that, then the country that follows that is the country that's called now the Sunium or Sarinum, whichever name it is. I never heard of that country. I don't know where it is. After that, it's Equatorial Guinea. So, what level of returns and what level of companies? What what engagement from tech companies are we really seeing from Equatorial Guinea? Because even in tech sprung, um the tech revolution in Africa, I haven't seen any companies from Equatorial Guinea. I don't know if you've seen any. I am not currently aware. Yes. So so that level of um, the expense at facing is slightly um, threatening. It's scary. Well, Kenya, I think, um, I'd say as much as we complain, but you think the average for Kenya is fairly uh, standard. Maybe one of the things that really pushes Kenya up would be the taxes that come with it. There are no incentives to mm-hmm. give uh, startups um, one one way to just spring up and, and jumpstart from the levels at which you are at. And I know that's a major challenge that we have in one way or another. At the same time, you know, uh, look at it from this angle, Ali. It would cost you $77 for you to start, $725 to start a business in the US, $166 to start a business in Canada. Mm-hmm. It would cost you uh, $379 to start a business in Australia. At the same time, it would cost you um, $352 to start one in Kenya. Now, the only other thing as well which came in interesting in these numbers was Ethiopia, which is almost half of what Kenya is offering. And also another company that we were also trying to look at, um, another country, sorry, which I think was very important as well to look at was um, Somalia. Uh, I haven't, I think Somalia is really, it's a country that has a lot of potential. There are a lot of things that I know is coming up with economic development in Somalia and we'll definitely be looking into what is it that the country is likely to offer in, in recent, in, 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 in coming years. And, um, Rwanda is really doing a good stuff. I think most countries maybe might want to, you know, one of the things that people usually say when it comes to business is, uh, I won't say it's divide and rule, but it's really about um, you first capture and then you conquer. Right. You see, if you want to capture, if you want to do stuff like revenue, for example, tax revenue for countries. You know these startups that are coming up, they'll definitely, once they grow, they'll definitely start paying taxes. Rwanda is giving guys a two-year period so that you can be able to just um, do your business for free. You know, it's only your capital that is working within that period. Then after that period, what comes in next? Many a time we've seen a lot of investors and a lot of analysts say you cannot compare Kenya to Rwanda because Rwanda, if you compare in terms of size, Rwanda is basically uh, the size of of, of, of maybe um, Kisumu, you know. <laughs> right. So look at it from that level. But if if we're looking at GDP per capita, um, yes, I know Kenya currently still is way way above Rwanda, but some incentives and and most of the times we, we usually say Ali in this show that. Rwanda is, is Africa's baby way. If you, it, it's, it's Africa's last one. If you want to tell donors and if you want to tell investors, this is our bad, this is our good side, you know who you give them? You tell Rwanda, them, definitely. This is Rwanda. Anytime they have any issue, everybody, even, even, even Africa, you know, for Africans as well, whenever there's a problem and we want to say, please, can you guys be able to perform better? What is it that we always do? We say, this is Rwanda. So, um, that's that, that's one of the things as well that we are technically looking. So I, I personally believe that Rwanda, as as a country, really has um, a lot of potential. But still, um, it's it's still too early. Um, I know for Kenya, even despite these taxes and guys complaining, uh, at times we see um, various environments, uh, mostly in terms of regulatory environment. Mm-hmm. I'd say we really support a lot of tech. Um, a lot of tech growth and also in terms of skills, capacity, manpower. You know, those are things that we're definitely looking into and hoping that um, Kenya, I know Rwanda, I know Ali is smiling and, and you're like, <laughs> but come on, Rwanda has has more, um, probably they, they also have um, an equal capacity. But I think there's that one edge that we also have ahead of them and we have to also acknowledge that. Which is? Right. 
Exactly. That's what I thought. That's what I um but then here's the thing, yeah? Um Felix. Yes. There is a, first of all I'd like to give a disclaimer with regards to 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 the data that we were talking about. Uh the methodology of this data was um well like the information that we're giving is based on uh World Bank's doing business 2020 report. 2020, yeah. Yes. Which which sort of uh, looks like um looks at the minimum capital requirements well the cost and the paid in minimum capital requirements to start a small and medium sized limited liability company to sort of operate in the largest business cities so ideally in Kenya we're looking at the cost of starting a small business in in Nairobi Felix let's look at the blind spots here in as much as we say geo Kenya Kenya this Kenya that what's the cost of you know after you've registered what's the cost of running the business for one year in terms of you know the little the little fees that you have to pay every month up up to and including you know what some kanjo would come and and you know collect from you every day well you know ali i think um being honest let, let's let, let's 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 call a spade a spade Right. Our environment is it's um I would say it's 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 slightly hostile in terms of taxes for startups. Mm-hmm. Uh we've seen we've seen a lot of stories out here where guys will come in because the usual tax for care that's one thing that we know the, the VAT the corporate tax you right. know those those are in, in one way or another available. But now the challenge that we're facing um over time would really come to a level of um guys having a lot of levies uh, that are in one way or another really pegged to you as an investor in keeping up with your level of probably um i'd say the uh, the, the the levels that really imply once again just as taxes and levies that you need are, a lot of guys say that these are licenses you know but the challenge would really be um what is it that you need to do to run a business and ali i know that that's the second thing we're going to talk about the right. ability of running a business mm-hmm. but we, we've seen stories where somebody would say an example is somebody would say that um for them to to to, to probably set up um a farm um, agriculture which is the backbone of our economy for you to, to start that up you know what people would say what thing, guys would say uh they need to go to the ministry of agriculture they need to get um and now we're seeing even if you even if you have a potato farmer you know <laughs> right now you need to be licensed so if agriculture is a back of our economy we want to tax the back what it's like you you're, you're technically putting more weight onto your backbone you know because you think that you can be able to handle as much as you can uh maybe i think to some extent it might be a good um it might be seen as a good thing for from the government perspective because the government needs to generate as much revenue as they can and I'll just as I told you um earlier on our government is developing a habit of taxing utilities because they know that utilities and areas that uh, areas of basic need these are areas that you you're likely definitely you you're definitely going to pay because an example is if they tax your airtime you have to make a call right right if they tax your internet that is that has become sort of a utility mm-hmm. you have to be able to buy your bundle so that you can be able to pay if they tax in areas of agriculture guys must eat if they're taxing areas of of uh, that deal in real estate um environmental constructions and stuff like that what is it that facing here the government is telling you that anything that you need to survive they're going to tax it and and i think that that's really a challenge earlier on the government brought in incentives for cooking gas that was way back in 20 2018-2019 right now what are we seeing the taxes are back again and and the government even wanted to tax bread well See right. This a Felix. <laughs> Felix with this I feel like tax taxes are those right. taxes uh, are, we, we were looking onto affordability of starting a business. Yes, and then and then and then we got ourselves here. Yeah. Um thing is I feel like Felix let's let's give ourselves um the the flowers that we deserve uh in terms of and when I say that I mean um we are we are doing comparatively better than uh than some of our african peers and uh just just to mention a few in a second like um ju- just to mention a few we're, we're doing better than you know well i i can't say somalia and of course i can't say equatorial guinea that's an extreme but like compared to you know just our immediate neighbors no why can't you say somalia 
Well, I, 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 I can't. But then, like, I feel like Somalia has not been the country that we would like to compare ourselves to because we we are already ahead of them in in different metrics. So it sounds backward in the sense of I, I, I like comparing Kenya to you know other sub-Saharan Africa powerhouses like Nigeria, so in South Africa. So like. If we look at our neighbors, we might we might feel like we're doing all right. Although Ethiopia is clearly doing better than us, but then again, the cost of the cost of starting a business in Kenya might be low, per World Bank standards. But then the cost of running that business in Kenya, oh, that's something else. Is high. That is something else, <laughs> especially during the time of coronavirus, where you're running a business online, you're using data. There's DST. There's minimum tax somewhere. It's I have words that I cannot say on air, but it is high. Yeah. Speaking of taxes, Felix, there's something that um, there's something that Mugambi Nandi on Twitter. Yo, shout out, good content, brought it to my attention. It's uh, it's on the Kenya Gazette notice today. It's Friday, so yeah. And um, the matter at hand here is the income tax exemption for registered family trusts. It's it's in the Financial Act of 2021. Um, what's can you break this down for me? Well, you know, first of all, Ali, um, I, I I wouldn't want to say that. <laughs> I, I, I would I would let me get a little bit though. I know this show we don't get political, mm-hmm. but you know when we're talking about family trust, we know um, the main culprit when it comes to family business. Right. Yes. Um, they know themselves. I'm not going to mention the name. Right. Uh, but that's one thing, you know. So us looking at um, exempting family um, tax, uh, family trusts from tax. Right. I think income uh, tax. Yeah, from from income tax. I think that that honestly is it, it, it's a major challenge. Mostly at this moment when the com- when the country is looking at avenues of, of, of taxing, one for, for raising tax and in, in, in raising their general revenue, you know. Uh, it's also an incentive as well for um, for probably families uh, to to come in one way or another and create the trust, which I know definitely that's the, that's that's an end goal. Once they do that, then the tax can come back in. How many family trusts do we have in Kenya? That's a number I think we need to check. <laughs> but I think we have very yeah. few. But they are they are, they are treated like foundations, right? Yeah. So obviously they're exempt from uh, from trusts. But this this one of the flip side whereby. Uh, let's say you have your your kid, you you have your kids' education or insurance or something set up in a family trust. Um, that's a good thing if they are exempt from tax because then um, the money that you know is in that trust will actually not be taxed. So again, there's there's both ways to look at it, but I, I think we should start by looking at the numbers. Um, how many family trusts do we have in the country and what's the recent uptake then we can interrogate that further and see you know um, if it's really a big loss by the government um, or if it's you know just quite negligible in terms of uh, tax collections but yeah it's it's definitely interesting and, and and for me that's I think that's that's one of the one of the things that you always find out about, about the finance bill is you think you've seen everything, <laughs> and then once it's signed, the uh, you, you surprises. Find there's, there's still lots of surprises in there. So again, Felix, another chance to unpack the finance bill more and more because I, I feel like there's still quite a lot of information in there that we haven't yet uh, unpacked or looked at. Well, because uh, I'm just seeing that an example of the family trust would be uh, the Kenyatta Trust Foundation, the Lions Charitable Trust, the Kalonzo Musioka Foundation, uh, Moi Foundation, uh, Sheldrick Wildlife Trust. I know there are others like Jenga Karuna Family Trust. So, Ali, you know, it looks like um, corporates can now decide and, 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 and get off from paying tax because they're saying that uh, they're doing their part by donating to a family trust. So, an example here which is very important, uh, I know... We we'll definitely have to relate to it. Okay. Don't. <laughs> Please do not. <laughs> we know where you're headed to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you guys have probably seen the tweet by Mugambi Nandi. Definitely. You can go read the comments. It's a very nice example there that has been given. 
you might want to read it out for yourself. In, in case, in case, well, in case you haven't seen the the, the the act itself, I'm just going to read it to you. Well, uh, in today's Gazette notice, it reads: the income tax is amended in section 11 by inserting the following new subsection immediately after subsection three. Subsection three a reads: in the case of a registered trust, subsection shall three shall only apply to any amount that is paid out of the trust income on behalf of any beneficiary and is used exclusively for the purpose of education, medical treatment, and early adulthood housing, which is what Eric was talking about. It also applies to income paid to any beneficiary, which is collectively below 10 million shillings a year. That's a lot of money. Three, uh, <laughs> any amount, such amount as the commissioner may prescribe from time to time at the rate prescribed in paragraph five of the third schedule. <sighs> I think this is interesting, Adi. Uh, you, or, you, or you want to register business as a family trust? Technically. Okay, you know, if, if you want to register it as a family, maybe one of the things that we need to really have defined is who or what is a family. You know, yes, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know we have the dictionary Ooh. definition, but we probably need to understand the constitutional definition because it, it, it's always coming in handy. You never know what has really been amended and what has really come into a change. During such times, whenever governments enact laws, we never really know which level of, of engagement that is really coming in one year or another. Um, Felix, away from family, um, away from family trusts, I, I, I know, I know that usually we don't talk about the markets, but then there's something that happened that caught my attention, and there is no way I'm leaving that out. Uh huh, Felix. Mm-hmm. Before I got there, uh, before I get there, what what interests you in markets this week? Uh, you know, the lot of stuff that have really been happening, both from a local and global standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one that we know has that a lot of guys have really been looking into has been uh, the various changes in the various um, market trends on global space. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at it from a standpoint of, of um, mostly Chinese companies. Uh, my, 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 my concern has really been on to the trends that Didi has been having. I know we've talked about Didi on from Monday all the way to Wednesday and today. Mm-hmm. So I'm still really concerned about the trends that we're seeing one or another on Didi. Um, another thing that technically we have to look on today is these news um, that um, Stripe has actually started a process of listing. Wow, where? And, um, and I think that would be a game changer if, if Stripe were to list because Stripe is the largest payment service company in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say it's the largest in the world. But according to data, we still have a lot more really to come in. Um, so looking at it in terms of if, if Stripe were to list, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know what level of, of, of engagement or what level of change we can be able to see and what I, I'm interested in the price of listing, you know what price, the market capitalization, the data. When now the company goes public, we can now analyze it inside up. Like an example is when we analyze the revenue signature from Mpesa for Safari, then now we can start doing that for Stripe as well, you know? Right. That would definitely be an interesting bit. Oh, don't guys are saying yeah, yeah, um, I know, I know, I know about Stripe, uh, and I know that's that some definitely. <laughs> would want to say a word or two um, on, on Stripe. If Stripe were to list Jackson, yours. Last time I called shots on a stock, that was Coinbase. I don't know how it's performed since then. But Stripe, Stripe is an interesting company um, because they're building the rails for payments um, across, across the globe. So uh, think about, you know, just... The payment companies um, again. Payments is a is a huge space for 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 multiple reasons because uh, remittances is still a huge issue. So you know, uh, trying to pay uh, a merchant in abroad is still a big issue both uh, in Africa and uh, globally. So Stripe looking at solving that uh, or solving that problem at scale is obviously a huge, huge factor. And given that they are pro crypto, uh, again, also goes a long way in just um, showing that they're actually a good company, in my opinion. Yeah, but let's let's wait and see uh, the prospectors uh, once they once they find 
uh, because I, I think it's it's not confirmed yet on the plans. Uh, it was just some information uh, based on a couple of hires that they made recently. So let's let's wait and see if there's a prospect that's coming out and then we can, we can have a discussion around that. I think um, when it comes to markets, this time I'm, I'm looking local. And uh, something that caught my attention uh, earlier today was that COP, COP will be allowed to use uh, 40% of accrued patients. Sorry. Um, COP cooperative bank customers will now be allowed to use up to 40% of their accrued pension benefits for residential house purchase, as long as the sum does not sort of um, exceed 7 million shillings, which kind of gives... Um, banks' exposure to real estate. I don't know what you have to say about that, Felix. And then also, um, I think locally, well, beyond markets, well, this is a BRT contract but that we're going to talk about later. <laughs> oh my God, I wish, I, I wish we could start with the BRT contract before we touch on COP. It doesn't have anything to do to Uganda, so I don't know why you're excited. <laughs> no, like, come on, we've seen Tanzania implement BRT. The challenge with our BRT system is, Ali, you know, first of all, is we're seeing that uh, another company is going to be able to um, uh, to, to make the payments. Mm-hmm. Uh, another company will be able to manage the BRT system uh, for the next um, 12 years. Right. And my concern really is, is it a Chinese company? So that's, that's, that's one thing that we're really looking into. Is it a Chinese company? That, that, that is my primary concern. Um... Well, I, th- I I think I have multiple questions with regards to our, you know, to our, our BRT our BRT system. Uh, on the positive edge, I'm I'm excited that we're making steps. Really, I'm tired of seeing that red line on thicker road that doesn't really materialize to anything. Um, so happy that we're making steps. I am curious. I am curious about how. This would um, this would specifically reduce reduce traffic, especially on the road. Um, given that you know some other initiatives by by the state to sort of work with um, either state corporations like NYS to reduce traffic have not necessarily been you know accepted in such a positive light, especially by other stakeholders in the transport industry. And in case you haven't caught up with what I'm talking about here, I am talking about the Matatu sector. So we had, we've had wrangles on the road uh, with players in the Matatu sector sort of picketing against um, NYS buses, um, complaining that they're charging uh, fares that are below market, which would, which could potentially threaten their business. So I do not know um, how. Or what what um, the BRT buses will charge, Felix? Do you have any information with regards to nine? What that's that's a weird number, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think no, I, I honestly think it's a weird number. Yeah, that's uh, what they charge for real. Yeah, but maybe they can charge because uh, you know they really have to. It also has to be anyway. You know, Ali, you'd rather pay for convenience, even if they're, even if they're charging one hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. You'd rather pay for that convenience rather than you sitting in traffic for about one or two hours. Um, if you know that if you're coming from, um, let's say for example you're coming from Gidurai and you're getting to town, you know, in the next twenty minutes you're in town. I think that gives you as well time for planning. So right. really, I think um, one way or another that would be a positive edge. But still, uh, my concern would really be, as much as it's a it's a um, public-private partnership mm-hmm. um, that the government is doing with whichever company it is. Hoping it's not a Chinese company, but uh, back at the back of my mind, I'm like, I know this this must be a Chinese company. Mm. Uh, really, uh, whichever company it really is, my my really my main concern is always about as much as we know that they'll be able to give um, they they'll be in one way or another um, obliged to get back their investments. Mm-hmm. But also look at it from the angle of how many um, companies. Uh, are going to benefit is that is, is it only the and, and in what way is the government going to benefit in terms of revenue? So that 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 really is my major concern. But overall, I think it's it's, it's a good thing. You know what? Um, I'm I'm kind of positive about the BRT as long as um, I'm I'm not entirely comfortable with the fact that you know um, in Kenya, well, 
in the case of the BRT, we didn't necessarily have um, you know details about the tender um, being being necessarily uh, public to the people, which which I think which I think is a problem. You know what happened is Felix Felix Tulikaivi, and then we were surprised like, oh hi guys, so uh, we have we have a company that we're that is working with us on this. You know. Mm-hmm. There's, there's that tendering process which by the way uh, let me speak freely here is, is an issue we have across across the board um, pro- I'm not part of that board Felix procurement processes by the government it's flawed from the top oh flawed, flawed uh, trust me flawed is a loaded word it's obscure and it does not follow the basic tenets of, you know, um, competitive rights. Neither does it follow, you know, simple rules like conf- conflict of interest or transparency. Yeah. But then, hey, I'm a dreamer. Uh, away from that, in as much as I have concerns, you know, with specifically surrounding, you know, the process behind it, I, I really hope that um, a it's going to help with the traffic. B will actually have accurate statistics with regards to the the time value of money when it comes to you know delays in goods getting to where they're supposed to be and people getting to where they're supposed to be on time and uh, how much that is costing us as a country and what we need to do. Interesting data. I'm really hoping to get the data as well. When you have it, please share it with all of us. I, I, I will. That's gonna make for, for, for an interesting story. Um what 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 else what what else has happened in, in, in markets that doesn't necessarily eat into what you're going to discuss on Monday? Well I know Ali, you've talked about cooperative bank really uh-huh. uh, issuing the pension for mortgage product. Uh, so really what's happening is cooperative bank is partnering with Envelope Financial Services to to give guys an opportunity to buy a home, buy a house using um, their pension, you know, and wealth as as a retirement um, benefit scheme uh, has not us. And um, is a company that offers mostly retirement savings plans, you know, and uh, financial services. So, what COP is now telling guys is, when you're about to retire, you can actually tell Envelope to buy your house using your your retirement your, monies, your, your, your retirement fund, and. I know a lot of companies out there using Envelop um, as a pension for their employees. And also a lot of guys are actually saving on their personal retirement plan uh, by Envelop. And by the way, guys, one of the things that I would encourage uh, from a financial um, expert perspective is that you, you you can always try and plan to have your personal um, pension plan if you can. Uh, because here's the honest truth. NSSF won't be able to support you for long. And, and it takes long for you to claim <laughs> that money uh, so that's one challenge but Envelope on the other side those are and not only Envelope there are a lot of other areas that you can be able to really look at and just invest in and save for your pension most of the insurance companies as well uh, offer the same companies like Britam um, Jubilee I know CIC um, uh, so you can always be able to just reach out check out which one is best prepared for you and you can definitely be able to pick it up and just um, throw it in. So I think uh, that's one thing. So what Bank is now doing is um, earlier on with the finance bill of 2020, they were actually allowed, uh, there was an act that now allowed guys to buy uh, mortgage using, to secure mortgage using their pension. So that's what um, Bank is really doing here for investors, uh, for investors who are investing in their pension funds. So that's one thing as well that we're really looking into. So um, for me as an investor and for you out there, these are various products at which you can be able to look into. Uh, I, I don't think this will really have any level of impact on on the share price for cooperative bank. Because um, Copbank, I think, Ali, you know, Copbank is technically the, the, the majority shareholders of cooperative bank are mainly cooperative societies and circles, you know. That's why it's called the Kingdom Bank. Uh, okay, the Kingdom Bank is now Jamibora, but Kobank for a very long time has usually branded itself as the Kingdom Bank. So, Ali, one of the ways I'm looking at this is for long term, I don't think it will have any negative exposure because, you know, whatever it is that you're getting, um, if, it, if it's in terms of a house, a mortgage, all of it is really secure. Mm-hmm. And like the various products that we've seen that mostly guys are told, 
to more, to probably not mortgage but to guys at all to get into real estate properties and security Felix um I think I think there's there's a lot there's a lot that I'd want you to sorry there's a lot that I'd want you to 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 unpack um when it comes to you know other developments happening happening in the market and uh something that maybe I'd, I'd I'd want you to to highlight on I know you're definitely planning to to get into detail um detail on it um with regards to what is it called Kenyari huh? and <laughs> with with Kenyari and um as also we 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 can also talk about sort of what's happening within the commodities sector specifically around uh, tea i think um, well in tea and coffee uh when it comes to tea we had um i think the imports imports to pakistan rose by 11.4% Well so Ali just um starting off with the markets uh, and for guys who are wondering there's a very interesting thing that has come out today from the Nairobi Securities Exchange uh for the first time uh, Ali today BNSC has shared with investors the quoted securities market so there's the quoted securities price list which has come out you know BNSC launched the unquoted securities platform uh, earlier this week earlier this month this year and happen group was the first one to list and today we're seeing they've actually traded about 20 million jesus you know you have to break that down for me right you're the market guy here <laughs> okay so really we're just seeing um you see when when a company lists the company gets quoted on the market mm-hmm. so there's a platform that nsc is now giving guys to really if trade on companies that are unlisted you see as long as they have their shares available um, on the market so that's what the quoted security system is all about and the nsc is giving guys an opportunity so companies like econ 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 yeah no should you call it econ or econ which one do you prefer econ whatever <laughs> potato potato tomato tomato so uh econ group uh listed it. it's the only company that's currently listed on the usp it's not listed it's quoted on the us no it's not li- it's not quoted it's listed yeah jesus technical terms so yes we think today the nsc has released a price list uh, for the usp and we've seen no this is the weekly price list and during the week uh, the account direct traded um, a few units it traded about some 300 million units mm-hmm. at a flat price of 20 shillings so that's a uh, general rate of 20 million that have been traded on the market so that's one thing as well that's coming in handy now for Kenya Re, which you also mentioned ali one of the things that we're seeing with Kenya insurance is uh, the change the changes in the board which i know a lot of guys have probably heard of this since morning uh we think here for Kenya Re, where um Jennifer Karina has has been picked um has been voted as um, to represent uh the board at level of chairperson mm-hmm. yeah i would like to say chairman to the board because <laughs> yeah, because i'm seeing in the notices that none of them really um has said it's a chairperson but you know i mean some of these acts and some of the statements that we see it's also because the company is yet to change the laws mm-hmm. um the articles of association to really indicate that the chairman uh, the post of chairman can be the word chairman should be changed to chairperson you see mm-hmm. so that's i know that's one of the challenges so uh jenny is coming in um as the chairperson that was effective yesterday so um <laughs> somebody had this inside information yesterday that we would have this today but all in all um i'm not saying that now that was inside information definitely probably somebody knew this but they didn't act on it so uh, hold your horses before you call shots onto that bit uh so jenny jenny has um I'll just read the statement that Kenya Re has issued. Uh, Jenny has um, a career spanning of about 40 years in corporate leadership and she's a psychologist, a certified uh, professional coach, um, energy leadership practitioner. Uh, okay, I'm really seeing nothing here that relates with insurance to be precise and honest. Um, but I think um, Jenny has the skills really to lead the board. 
nothing insurance related um, in her portfolio. Um, but I'm really thinking, uh, okay, I honestly don't know. I have gone through the statement that they have issued, apart from the bits that, um, okay, I, I, I don't know. You can be able to. You're struggling. Una yeah, struggle. No, I, have, I have tried to go through the statement that they issued to just see. Um, but also the bit that comes in is her skills and she's a learned woman. She deserves that. Um, so that's something. She has a Master's of Arts degree from uh, Durham University in the UK. Mm-hmm. And currently she, she's pursuing a PhD in Educational Psychology. Uh, she's attended leadership professional courses from various institutes including Harvard, um, Singapore Institute of Management, Strathmore Business School. So um, I think Strathmore Business School of that, but at least there's a bit of business school in that. So definitely um i think these are good things for her um her leadership skills are really must um these are I, I think her leadership skills are big in my opinion and i think she's going to deliver to the board for kenyari so she comes in to replace chiboli who's been at the helm of kenyari for about i think eight years right yeah so it's time it's definitely time for a change for for kenyari uh so we're really hoping that um she'll continue with the work that um Kenya really has, has really that Tiboli has been delivering um, to Kenya Insurance Corporation. Felix, there the, there are two issues that I'd, I'd like us to 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 look about to look at. Yes. Uh, one of them is one of them is of course um, locally, and the other one is 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 globally. And I this is uh, fair warning. This is kind of. Um, this is kind of political and it relates to state corporations. Are you talking to politics? I, I, I know earlier we discussed uh, earlier we discussed some of the requirements by the IMF uh, with regards to the different loans that they're, that they're planning to give us. And uh, this week we saw the National Treasury releasing uh, a statement and um, the statement essentially was um, saying that the national treasury knows what's happening when it comes to you know the rot in state corporations, and um, it is going to quote unquote apply a staged approach to state corporation reform strategy in the coming months to strengthen the legal framework, to improve performance monitoring, to enhance controls and transparency, and to bolster the relationship between state corporations and national government. And uh, with regards to the IMF support, the statement signed by Atani said the evaluation of state corporations was initiated by the government in response to the existing structural issues in the financial performance of state corporations, which were further deepened by the COVID-19 pandemic. It has been carried out with the technical support of the International Monetary Foundation, that's the IMF, and is part of the 38th month program between Kenya and the IMF. Felix, I, me, you and I, let's, let's be candid. If today you're given the power to root out some of the state corporations, which one would you keep and which one would you um, throw out of the proverbial window? Uh, I, I think there's, there's a lot of ways in which we can be able to look at various state corporations locally. Uh, one of the things, one of the various companies that I think we can be able to really figure out how to move around with them and to just, uh, I don't know if I should say match them, but I'm really wondering why we have four or five companies or four or five regulators, uh, state corporations that are acting as regulators in their own way, Ali. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, not to be not to be personal or not to be a Kenyan, but I look. I really look onto the companies that are there on the tax when you're paying your electricity bill. You know, <laughs> I, I think you can reduce those companies to as 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 much as possible. That's the first thing. Really, mention a few. Then, come on, Ali. Come on. Why not merge Kenjan and Ketrako? You know. What and your rationale for that would be? Uh, because I think that if Kenjan and Ketrako, right now we Ket, Ketrako already has the capacity to transmit um, electricity or make one a subsidiary of the other. It doesn't really have to be to a level of having the two of them as different entities, paying bills and taxes to different entities as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that, that's, that, that that in my opinion is, is one thing that I think we can be able to work with. And then why do we have um, uh, the water and then water, 
the Wama, like water and something resource management, you know, but we also have NEMA. They're all towards against envelo- environmental management, you know. So why not match the two of them? I mean, these are things that I'm just trying to look at and figuring out ways in which we can be able to work. But anyway, I know what I'm mentioning, some of them are very small. They were not mentioned in in the various um, reports for IMF. Right. Uh, but I, the state cooperation that I'm making losses that I think we really need to figure out how to work through is companies like KPLC. Mm-hmm. You know, um, KPLC, in my opinion, I really think Kenya Power is one of those companies that have a very huge fundamental gap that they're not really getting to handle. Uh, my concern really would be to what engagement can we have to ensure that Kenya Power as a company really gets to deliver. KPLC just needs a good tax audit, you know, and good revenue collections. I think with that we can be able to deliver. These are utilities, come on. It's like your airtime that you use. Why is Safaricom making more money than Kenya Power is? Well, and also probably government should start paying debts they owe to KPLC, man. Nairobi County government alone owes KPLC quite a, close to five billion. How many other can, counties out here owe Kenya Power? So usually, even as much as we hit on KPLC, let's be honest and tell guys the truth. The government is not. Most of these government institutions are not paying KPLC because they know that Kenya Power has to, one way or another, really uh, deliver that power to them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, okay. There's a lot of ways in which I look at it. I won't get into the nitty gritties. But I think that's just an angle I'm looking at it from. I, I I think I don't know. This is this is a conversation that that I'd I'd, I'd gladly have maybe uh, on other segments of the podcast, specifically the third leader <laughs> interviews with regards to the reforms that we need when it comes to state corporations. And you know, when you talk about unpaid bills, <laughs> water, water, Jesus, yeah. I, I think I think those are a lot of areas in which you have to look into. Maybe also another thing that I'm personally looking at um, time to time mm-hmm. uh, is the overall engagement from from state corporations. You know, and one of the things that is really killing us to some extent is also when we talk about IMF conditions. One of the things that is also really killing us is is a huge um, wage bill, the recurrent expenditure. Close to fifty percent of close to I think seventy percent of what we collect is going on recurrent expenditure. Yeah, but Felix, for a government that's risky. Felix, it's like it's like Ali. You're working at seventy percent of your salary. Is it's going to going to, to to the landlord and 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 food. No, that's well, just the landlord. landlord. Felix, by the, by the time you by the time you're eating, you're going to insure and borrow. The cycle continues, but it's a very risky one. In the spirit of Kenyans on Twitter, what is something that you would maybe um, suggest for? What is something that you, you, you'd suggest for? Um, uh, how, how, how should I put this? For cutting the recurrent expenditure, given that well, the other alternative is, you know, the private sector absorbs more people, which it really isn't doing well because. Um, well, because simply because the cost of doing business is high, and uh, well, businesses aren't making money, so they can't employ enough people. Those are what was really Where should they go? I think the government should work on creating a tax, um, probably more tax incentives to startups in the private sector. Mm-hmm. We can continue taxing the private sector hundred uh, percent. We can continue taxing the private sector. Um, like it's the next big thing you see for the government mm-hmm. we need to give these guys incentives we've seen a lot of layoffs, we're seeing a lot of mugging that's going on in Nairobi where you can no longer use your phone if you're using your phone <laughs> the next thing you see is you know the next thing you're seeing in your eyes is that Ugaliman video so we can't really have that continue to happen over time mm-hmm. uh, my concern really would be onto the levels of just how many guys and how many investors um, how many companies can really take up um, can really take up that level of, 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 of taxing you know our companies are right now telling guys we cannot be able to we can't be able to companies can't even be able to give guys um, salary raise because why because they know that you give this guy and the government going to come for you for tax yeah, I mean it's just going to move you in the yeah. in the next tax bracket yeah so uh, Right. 
But then, Felix, something, something else that I, I, away from, you know what? Some, something happier. Um, was it was it earlier today? Yes, earlier today. Uh, and this is this is an interesting headline. You, which nations should put thirty billion dollars of IMF cash towards Africa investments? That is that. This was no, 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 no. no. You have to hear this, you. This was a request by uh, by African ministers. Uh, hold on. It was an open letter to to leaders in the G20 and uh, finance ministers from Ghana, DRC, Ivory Ivory Coast, Nigeria um, had, had what sort of was sort of talking to rich nations and uh, what they were saying was, um, you guys, a increase the support for proper COVID nineteen vaccination. Oh, on COVID nineteen vaccination, by the way. Pfizer is lobbying for a second dose. It's saying that, you know what? The first vaccine dose isn't really, really doing much. Cases are still increasing. So guys might need, uh, you know, a second a second dose. I I have to read that correct for you. I will I will do that in a bit. Well, Pfizer was seeking for a booster shot, for especially for the Delta variant. You know what that does? All the hopes that we had on vaccination kind of drew us back. Because Pfizer is the one that has a single dose, right? AstraZeneca and AstraZeneca had two doses. Yeah. Also, even even um, JJ is also to that Johnson and Johnson okay. also getting that too. But Ali, now let me cut you short and just go back to your story uh, about I, IMF. Yeah. No, both Africans require requesting rich nations. African rich. ministers. African ministers. You know, I think I don't know, but maybe to our listeners. Um, and maybe to guys who are listening, if you go to his app today, I'm going to start a chat just to mention which countries are rich. I'm personally wondering which country is rich, which country is not having their issues one way or another. So there are a lot of ways in which I'm just trying to look at this from and just wondering, uh, because one of the challenges that we've really had over time is is, is countries really having um, Ali. Why do we? Why must we always be seen as as a level of aid? You know. I, I, I really want to talk about the cost of aid, but that's a very that's a very 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 political conversation, and I I don't want to have that in this forum at least not this moment. Um, in, in case in case maybe you you're not as updated with regards to the IMF conversation, um, the IMF is implementing a uh, six hundred and fifty billion dollar allocation, which is uh, I think it's the largest ever in its reserve currency. Um, called the special drink rights, and uh, in the SD, the SDR is going to be made available very very soon. And uh, part of the part of the initiatives in the disbursement is to sort of prevent um, quote unquote. Um, it's to forestall the current emerging market liquidity crisis, devolving into an insolvency crisis. <laughs> Come on, Ali. How many? How many? How many African countries really have a stable access or a stable revenue collection system, or a stable reporting system that they can be able to collect uh, to really account for every single penny that they get from donors? How many? If you give me that number, I'll be I'll, I'll really be able to support you and tell tell you Africans were right. African ministers were right to ask for that support from G20. I don't have a problem with that asking for that support. See, no. Do you have Do you have the statistics of how many? We know that we lose two billion daily. Have you received your two billion? <laughs> I haven't. No thing is, uh, and that's what I was trying to talk about. As we close on Phoenix, I feel like um, yes, uh, maybe we do need some support from the IMF. Uh, given Given the Given the Again, given the terms in which IMF gives us finances compared to other lenders, and if you're in Kenya, we're talking about you know China. But but come on, better IMF, better IMF than gives you better rates first of all, yeah, and like the other multilateral lenders are facing you. Then, specific, these guys are charging us arm and leg. You know, we can't be borrowing and paying guys at a rate of ten percent or or at a rate of seven percent again. While IMF would give us a loan for one percent, who doesn't want one percent or zero point something? My question would be then: Why are we opting for them instead of the IMF? Uh, because they have um, less strict rules than IMF, and we all love easy stuff. Easy come, easy go. 
yeah in, in, so easy expensive yeah easy and expensive so there are a lot of ways in which we can be able to look at this from um maybe um just just to sort of um close close the podcast felix um i'm just going to give you give you a market roundup sorry we've gotten a little bit political today Really IMF got us political. We are not political. <laughs> We're just talking about IMF and these are stuff that are here day to day. Right. Maybe um, just just to give you uh, some some of the data in what's happening in both um, local and well, I wouldn't say global markets because I, I usually I usually just do a roundup for cryptocurrency. Well, what's happening in um, in local and uh, crypto markets um, today? We saw. I think uh, when when it comes to movers on the local stock exchange, Umeme Umeme came up top. Umeme Limited, um, the share price rose by six point two zero percent. So it opened at five point four eight and closed at five point eight two. And then of course we have Standard Group Limited, which rose by five point eight eight percent, opening at seventeen shillings, closing at eighteen shillings. And then we had CIC. Uh, shockingly enough, yo, C- so CIC, uh, sorry, C- CIC um, um, opened at three shillings ten cents and closed at three shillings twenty seven cents. Felix, interesting enough, shares traded on CIC were one point five million, so we had one point five million shares uh, that were traded on the new. Well, very interesting, Ali. Um... I'm, I'm also just checking on the loser side, uh, checking through the Hisa app, and I'm seeing Crown uh, was down again. Jesus, I don't know what level Crown is going to, but it's down again, 9.93%. You can catch me on Markets Monday, we'll be able to talk about a little bit more of why Crown is possibly coming down. Uh, Kakuzi was down as well, um, 7.9% to trade at 372 uh, shillings and 75 cents. At the same time, Umeme Limited. Uh, down as well, uh, 5.15% to 5 shillings and 52 cents. Uh, bank of Kigali, which has really been a good one for the banks, has been one of the lead, the leading stocks in terms of returns on the Nairobi Securities Exchange, was down as well, 3 shillings, uh, 3.7%, and that's about about 26 shillings. So, yeah, that's it. On the mover side, we saw Safaricom, Equity, and Absa, really, uh, coming as the top three companies that were moving the markets. Safcom, as usual, 4.15 million shares traded. Equity, 3.4 million shares traded. And Absa, 2.96 million shares traded. Yeah, I think um, I think maybe we can. I can just mention a few cryptocurrencies and and how they are and how they've they've performed well up to up to right now. Cross your fingers. Oh, today we're green. So BTC green. Um, I think in the past 24 hours, it gained 2.23%, currently trading at $33,603. Ethereum is green, um, gaining 0.46%, trading at uh, $2,174. XRP is green, um, gaining 2.25% in the past 24 hours, currently trading at $0.64. is green. I know. Yeah. Well, Cardano is green, as he said. Um, it was up by zero point zero three. And Dogecoin is and going to the moon. Depending on uh, how far you think the moon is, it's currently <laughs> trading at zero point two two dollars. I think I should mention these figures in cents, just sort of kill, kill, kill the hope in you. But yeah, most cryptocurrencies are green today, except Literally. maybe Chainlink, Filecoin. Let and me just catch a little bit on Dogecoin. Sure. Literally, Dogecoin is going to the moon next year. Literally. Uh, not in terms of share price, but in terms of a Dogecoin backed um, whatever. Is it a rocket that Elon is working on or some satellite? Dogecoin mm-hmm. funded. So guys have to fund that with their Dogecoin. It's literally going to the moon next year. Uh, in 2022, there's a launch for the moon uh, and Tesla will be taking guys to the moon. So we're really hoping that um, you'll be able to land your te- your Dogecoin there. Um, for Tesla, Ali, I know we already have the Tesla Roadster, which mm-hmm. is somewhere uh, past Mars right now in the Cosmic Belt. So yes, we're hoping that the real share prices would also go beyond that. Yeah. I think this is all we had for today. Yeah, um, all we have for today, guys. Um, maybe just one more minute to give the guys on Twitter 
and the guys on Telegram, if you want to comment or have a question, there's a feature where you just raise your hand. So just like class, so you can raise your hand and just add a comment. I'm seeing a lot of you have been with us since um, since we started. Um, Gabriel, you've been with us for some time since we started, and thanks a lot for being in. Uh, and I know that's one thing as well that we're definitely looking into. Any person on Telegram? I'm seeing Telegram. There's none. On Twitter, on the other hand, um, let me see. Twitter, there's none as well. So that's it, guys. It's a wrap. Well, see you next week. Um, as usual, hey, Monday, um, catch us on Markets. Well, catch Felix and sometimes me on Markets Monday. <laughs> Market in Monday. case you're, you're an NSC enthusiast. Well, Markets enthusiast. Wednesday, we have Bold Spares and Markets. Quite interesting discussion. And then, of course, Friday, we are curious. In between the week, there are a couple of podcasts flowing out. We did a podcast with the Africa Venture Capitalist Association, in case you're interested in how funding is flowing around startups. We did another um, another podcast with um, a VC called Vital Impact, in case you want to understand um, how venture capitalists sort of balance sustainable investment and, you know, just business sound decisions. And we had other interesting discussions with... Uh, well, a program called Digitally, which works with cyber affairs, specifically um, furthering asset finance to cyber affairs and enabling them to expand their businesses as well as sort of hook them up with more opportunities with corporates. That's all we had for today. My name is Ali Mokaneno. I was your host and I was with Felix Uchen, guys. Bye-bye. See you guys again next week, same time. <laughs>